0: Today is day 121, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible. 1 Kings 1 and 2, 2, Chronicles 1, and Psalms 40 and 41. 1 Kings 1. When King David was very old, he could not keep warm, even when they put covers over him. So his attendant said to him, Let us look for a young virgin to serve the king and take care of him. She can lie beside him so that our Lord the King may keep warm. Then they searched throughout Israel for a beautiful young woman and found Abishag, a Shunammite, and brought her to the king. The woman was very beautiful. She took care of the king and waited on him, but the king had no sexual relations with her. Now Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, put himself forward and said, I will be king. So he got chariots and horses ready with 50 men to run ahead of him. His father had never rebuked him by asking, why do you behave as you do? He was also very handsome and was born next after Absalom. Adonijah conferred with joab son of Zeruiah and with Abithar the priest and they gave him their support but Zodak, the priest Benai son of Johadah Nathan the prophet Shammai and Reah and David's special guard did not join Adonijah. Adonijah then sacrificed sheep, cattle, and fattened calves at the stone of Zahaleth near En-Rogal. He invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the royal officials of Judah. But he did not invite Nathan the prophet or Benai or the special guard or his brother Solomon. Then Nathan asked Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, Have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, has become king, and our lord David knows nothing about it? Now then, let me advise you on how you can save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Go to the king, David, and say to him, My lord the king, did you not swear to me your servant? Surely Solomon your son shall be the king after me, and he will sit on my throne. Why then has Adonijah become king? While you are still there talking to the king, I will come in and add my words to what you have said." So Bathsheba went to see the aged king in his room where Abishag, the Shumanite, was attending him. Bathsheba bowed down, prostrating herself before the king. What is it you want? The king asked. She said to him, My lord, you yourself swore to me your servant by the lord your god. Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne. But now Adonijah has become king, and you, my lord, the king, do not know about it. He has sacrificed great numbers of cattle, fattened calves, and sheep, and has invited all the king's sons, Abathar the priest and Joab the commander of the army, but he has not invited Solomon your servant." My lord the king, the eyes of all Israel are on you, to learn from you who will sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. Otherwise, as soon as my lord the king is laid to rest with his ancestors, I and my son Solomon will be treated as criminals. While she was still speaking with the king, Nathan the prophet arrived, and the king was told, Nathan the prophet is here. So he went before the king and bowed with his face to the ground. Nathan said, Have you, my lord the king, declared that Adonijah shall be king after you and that he will sit on your throne? Today he has gone down and sacrificed great numbers of cattle, fattened calves and sheep. He has invited all the king's sons, the commanders of the army, and Abathar the priest. Right now they are eating and drinking with him and saying, Long live King Adonijah! But me, your servant, and Zadok, the priest, and Benai, son of Johadah, and your servant Solomon, he did not invite. Is this something my lord the king has done without letting his servants know who should sit on the throne of my lord the king after him? "'Then King David said, "'Call in Bathsheba.' "'So she came into the king's presence and stood before him. "'The king then took an oath, "'As surely as the Lord lives, "'who has delivered me out of every trouble, "'I will surely carry out this very day "'what I swore to you by the Lord, "'the God of Israel, Solomon, your son, "'shall be king after me, "'and he will sit on my throne in my place.' "'Then Bathsheba bowed down with her face to the ground, "'prostrating herself before the king and said, "'May my lord King David live forever.' King David said, Call in Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benai, son of Jehudah, When they came before the king, he said to them, Take your Lord's servants with you, and have Solomon my son mount my own mule and take him down to Gihon. There have Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel. Blow the trumpet and shout, Long live King Solomon. Then you are to go up with him, and he is to come and sit on my throne and reign in my place. I have appointed him ruler over Israel and Judah. Benai son of Jehoiada answered the king Amen may the lord the god of my lord the king so declare it as the lord was with my lord the king so may he be with Solomon to make his throne even greater than the throne of my lord king David So did Zadok the priest Nathan the prophet Benai son of Jehoiada the Carathites and the Pelethites went down and had Solomon mount king David's mule and they escorted him to Gihon Zadok the priest took the horn of oil from the sacred tent and anointed Solomon. Then they sounded the trumpet and all the people shouted, Long live King Solomon! and all the people went up after him, playing pipes and rejoicing greatly, so that the ground shook with the sound. Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they were finishing their feast. On hearing the sound of the trumpet, Joab asked, What's the meaning of all the noise in the city? Even as he was speaking, Jonathan, son of Abathar the priest, arrived. Adonijah said, Come in. A worthy man like you must be bringing good news. Not at all, Jonathan answered. Our Lord, King David, has made Solomon king. The king has sent with him Zadok the priest Nathan the prophet Benai son of Jehoiada the Carathites and the Philathites and they have put him on the king's mule and Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king at Gehon From there, they have gone up cheering and the city resounds with it. That's the noise you hear. Moreover, Solomon has taken his seat on the royal throne. Also, the royal officials have come to congratulate our Lord King David, saying, May your God make Solomon's name more famous than yours and his throne greater than yours. And the king bowed in worship on his bed and said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has allowed my eyes to see a successor on my throne today. At this, all Adonijah's guests rose in alarm and dispersed. But Adonijah, in fear of Solomon, went and took hold of the horns of the altar. Then Solomon was told, Adonijah is afraid of the king Solomon and is clinging to the horns of the altar. He says, let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. Solomon replied, if he shows himself to be worthy, not a hair of his head will fall to the ground. But if evil is found in him, he will die. Then King Solomon sent men, and they brought him down from the altar. And Adonijah came and bowed down to King Solomon, and Solomon said, Go to your home. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon his son. I am about to go the way of all the earth, he said, so be strong. Act like a man and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to Him and keep His decrees and commands, His laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go, and that the Lord may keep His promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel." Now you yourself know what Joab, son of Zuriah, did to me, what he did to the two commanders of Israel's armies, Abner, son of Ner, and Amasa, son of Jether. He killed them, shedding their blood in peacetime as if in battle. And with that blood, he stained the belt around his waist and the sandals on his feet. Deal with him according to your wisdom, but do not let his gray head go down to the grave in peace." But show kindness to the sons of Barazillah of Gilead, and let them be among those who eat at your table. They stood by me when I fled from your brother Absalom. And remember, you have with you Shammai, son of Gera, the Benjamite from Bahrim, who called down bitter curses on me the day I went to Mahanaim, When he came down to meet me at the Jordan, I swore to him by the Lord, I will not put you to death by the sword. But now do not consider him innocent. You are a man of wisdom. You will know what to do to him. Bring his gray head down to the grave in blood. Then David rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. He had reigned forty years over Israel, seven years in Hebron, and thirty-three in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his rule was firmly established. Now Adonijah, the son of Haggith, went to Bathsheba, Solomon's mother. Bathsheba asked him, "'Do you come peacefully?' He answered, "'Yes, peacefully.' Then he added, "'I have something to say to you.' "'You may say it,' she replied." As you know, he said, the kingdom was mine. All Israel looked to me as their king, but things changed, and the kingdom has gone to my brother, for it has come to him from the Lord. Now I have one request to make of you. Do not refuse me. You may make it, she said. So he continued, please ask King Solomon, he will not refuse you, to give me Abishag, the Shunammite, as my wife. Very well, Bathsheba replied, I will speak to the king for you. When Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah, the king stood up to meet her, bowed down to her, and sat down on his throne. He had a throne brought for the king's mother, and she sat down at his right hand. I have one small request to make of you, she said. Do not refuse me. The king replied, Make it, my mother, I will not refuse you. So she said, Let Abishag the Shunammite be given in marriage to your brother Adonijah. King Solomon answered his mother, Why do you request Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? You might as well request the kingdom for him. After all, he is my older brother. Yes, for him and for Abathar the priest and Joab son of Zuriah. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord, May God deal with me, but be it ever so severely if Adonijah does not pay with his life for this request. And now, as surely as the Lord lives, he who has established me securely on the throne of my father David and has founded a dynasty for me as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death today. So King Solomon gave orders to Benai, son of Johadah, and he struck down Adonijah and he died. To Abathar, the priest, the king said, go back to your fields of Anathoth. You deserve to die, but I will not put you to death now because you carried the ark of the sovereign Lord before my father, David, and shared all my father's hardships. So Solomon removed Abathar from the priesthood of the Lord, fulfilling the word of the Lord had spoken at Shiloah about the house of Eli. When the news reached Joab, who had conspired with Adonijah, though not with Absalom, he fled to the tent of the Lord and took hold of the horns of the altar. King Solomon was told that Joab had fled to the tent of the Lord and was beside the altar. Then Solomon ordered Banah, son of Joheda, go strike him down. So Benah entered the tent of the Lord and said to Joab, The king says, Come out. But he answered, No, I will die here. Benah reported to the king, This is how Joab answered me. Then the king commanded Bena, Do as he says, strike him down and bury him, and so clear me and my whole family of the guilt of the innocent blood that Joab shed. The Lord will repay him for the blood he shed, because without my father David, knowing it, he attacked two men and killed them with the sword. Both of them, Abner son of Ner, commander of Israel's army, and Amasa son of Jether, commander of Judah's army, were better men and more upright than he." May the guilt of their blood rest on the head of Joab and his descendants forever. But on David and his descendants, his house and his throne, may there be the Lord's peace forever. So Benai, son of Joadah, went up and struck down Joab and killed him, and he was buried at his home out in the country. The king put Benai, son of Joadah, over the army in Joab's position and replaced Abathar with Zadok the priest. Then the king sent for Shammai and said to him, Build yourself a house in Jerusalem and live there, but do not go anywhere else. The day you leave and cross the Kidron Valley, you can be sure you will die. Your blood will be on your own head. Shammai answered the king what you say is good your servant will do as my lord the king has said and Shammai stayed in Jerusalem for a long time but three years later two of Shammai's slaves ran off to Achish son of Makah, king of Gath and Shammai was told your slaves are in Gath at this he saddled his donkey and went to Ashish at Gath in search of his slaves so Shammai went away and brought the slaves back from Gath. When Solomon was told that Shammai had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and had returned, the king summoned Shammai and said to him, Did I not make you swear by the Lord and warn you on the day you leave to go anywhere else you can be sure you will die? At that time you said to me, What you say is good I will obey. Why then did you not keep your oath to the Lord and obey the commands I gave you? The king also said to Shammai, You know in your heart all the wrong you did to my father David. Now the Lord will repay you for your wrongdoing, but King Solomon will be blessed, and David's throne will remain secure before the Lord forever. Then the king gave the order to Benai, son of Johedah, and he went out and struck Shammai down, and he died. The kingdom was now established in Solomon's hands. Second Chronicles 1 Solomon, son of David, established himself firmly over his kingdom, for the Lord his God was with him and made him exceedingly great. Then Solomon spoke to all Israel, to the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, to the judges, to all the leaders in Israel, the heads of families, and Solomon and the whole assembly went to the high place at Gabon, for God's tent of meeting was there, which Moses the Lord's servant had made in the wilderness. Now David had brought up the Ark of God from Karath jerim to the place he had prepared for it, because it had pitched a tent for it in Jerusalem, but the bronze altar that Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, had made was in Gibeon in front of the tabernacle of the Lord. So Solomon in the assembly inquired of him there. Solomon went up to the bronze altar before the Lord in the tent of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. That night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered God you have shown great kindness to David my father and have made me king in his place now Lord God let your promises to my father David be confirmed for you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. "'for who is able to govern this great people of yours? "'God said to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire "'and you have not asked for wealth, possessions, or honor, "'nor for the death of your enemies, "'and since you have not asked for a long life, "'but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people, "'over whom I have made you king, "'therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. "'And I will also give you wealth, possessions, and honor, "'such as no king who is ever before you ever had "'and none after you will have.' Then Solomon went to Jerusalem from the high place at Gibeon from before the tent of meeting, and he reigned over Israel. Solomon accumulated chariots and horses. He had fourteen hundred chariots and twelve thousand horses, which he kept in the chariot cities and also with him in Jerusalem. The king made silver and gold as common in Jerusalem as stones and cedar as plentiful as sycamore fig trees in the foothills. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and from Kuh. The royal merchants purchased them from Kuat the current price they imported a chariot from egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150 they also exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and of the aramians psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise. To our God, many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the ground, to those who turn aside to false gods." Many, Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart." I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned but back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. The Lord protects and preserves them. They are counted among the blessed in the land. He does not give them over to the desire of their foes. The Lord sustains them on their sickbed and restores them from their bed of illness. I said, have mercy on me, Lord, heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and his name perish? When one of these comes to see me, he speaks falsely, while his heart gathers slander. Then he goes out and spreads it around. All my enemies whisper together against me. They imagine the worst for me, saying, a vile disease has afflicted him. He will never get up from the place where he lives. Even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. But may you have mercy on me. Lord, raise me up that I may repay them. I know that you are pleased with me, for my enemy does not triumph over me. Because of my integrity, you uphold me and set me in your presence forever. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from the everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Okay, so we started two new books, First Kings and Second Chronicles. So of course, it's time to zoom out and do a quick review. We just finished First and Second Samuel, which comes before First and Second Kings, and we finished First Chronicles and now we're starting Second Chronicles. While well, each of these books are broken into two parts. They really all are like one scroll after another. Dr. Mackey says that Samuel was one scroll, and now here Kings was one scroll, telling one unified story. So I think it's just important to make that mention. And if we remember way back, the people of Israel told Samuel they wanted a king to be like their neighbors. The biblical text seems to indicate this wasn't necessarily what God wanted, but he allowed it, giving them a donkey herder, who had lost his herd, but he was the physical type of a king, tall and handsome. God gave them Saul as king. Saul really struggled to consistently put God first and put God's reputation before his own. In the end, Saul chose himself over God. The next king God selected for Israel was the last son of Jesse from the tribe of Judah, a sheep herder who was young and not described as tall, but he recognized the importance of God's reputation and his role as a representative leader. David was not perfect, making grave mistakes, but his heart would return to the Lord. Remember, like Marty Solomon said, God shows endless patience until or if we choose to become the anti-story and work against him as an adversary, like Saul ended up doing and Joab as well. David unites the tribes of Israel, and in 2 Samuel 7, we read how the scenario of a just and righteous king who builds a united kingdom points to the messianic king, which we know is Jesus. This all points to how God is fulfilling the promises he made to Abraham in Genesis 12. So there's like a reach back in the story and a foreshadowing of what's to come. It's so cool because when you really think about it, all these authors were separated in time and space and how this whole story is so interconnected only god could do a thing like that so in this story today we read about how david is getting older and is not able to go to war any longer david is given a concubine a young maiden concubine and what's interesting if you can move past the ick factor is that david did not have an inappropriate relationship with her so one might say that's because he was old but i'm not sure that was the point the author was trying to make I believe the author already made this point by saying his eyes were getting weaker, as we've seen, and like he was cold, and so he needed somebody close to him. This is a Hebrew expression typically to connotate weakness. But I think it says something about his maturing because as Deuteronomy 17 warned, the kings of Israel through the prophet, uh, they were told, do not have multiple wives. And this was not the order of Genesis 2 or in line with the commandments of do not commit adultery. So for me, it's a sign of maturity in David that had been Particularly problematic or challenging for David. To me, there's something hopeful in this pursuit of God in our hardest area, right? So giving it over to Him for redemption and restoration all the way till the very end of our lives. Like, this is, there's something really cool about that for me, or that's what I'm seeing. I don't know. I don't know. We also read about one of David's other sons who tries to take the throne in this transitory moment, Adinijah. It's another story of someone trying to take what has not been given. And as Marty Solomon says, this is in keeping with the theme of the Tale of Two Kingdoms, where one is an empire oriented mindset with greed, lust, wealth, personal reputation, and power at the core. And the other is a kingdom of shalom, bringing cycles of redemption and order, knowing that your role is a representative leader and that you're there to serve the actual king, which is God, and to put him on display. So kingdom one, empire, kingdom two, shalom. Father Mike Schmitz describes how many of the stories, including the one where David doesn't realize that one son is trying to overthrow the other one, might point to the fact that David, a human, yet he's great at many other things in the story and representative leadership, but he seems to be unaware as a dad who struggled to bring his representative leadership to his children. So I thought that was a really interesting thing that Father Mike Schmitz points out. Father Mike Schmitz also describes how Bathsheba in this story is foreshadowing the important role of Mary to the king which will be the messianic king Jesus in the New Testament. So remember, Adonijah asked her Bathsheba a strange request that would have been perceived in that day as a power play. So her stepson, one of King David's sons, Adonijah, who wanted to be the king, was asking for David's concubine to marry. Um, okay. Right, So Bathsheba takes this request because she knows, she knows what this request is really all about. She takes it to Solomon, her son, who is now king. Then there is this odd interplay in chapter 2, verse 19, where Solomon bows down to her, Bathsheba, and seats her on a throne to his right. The author is making a statement here, particularly when just a few verses before Bathsheba was bowing down to King David. So something really interesting is that in that culture and time, she would have been considered the queen, not because she married the king, King David. He had other wives, but because she was the mother of the king. This is interesting to reflect on, and it's why in the Catholic tradition, they see this as a foreshadowing to Mary, the mother of Jesus, the future messianic king, and her role in the story. Father Mike Schmitz emphasizes it's a role of honor, not worship, but it's not to be ignored because it's what God chose as part of the story, our story. It's also interesting to note that the queen is the mother of the son because there is only one mother. The queen is not the wife. Remember, she bowed down again to David. And Gebira in Hebrew means the queen mother of Israel. And in Revelations 12, it points back to Mary as the queen mother who had 12 stars, most most likely pointing back to the 12 tribes of Israel. There's something just really cool about this for me too, because if we recall, how Bathsheba was torn from her life and forced, grafted into David's life in an unseemly and quite devastating way that out of all David's wives, God would choose her son and offer this foreshadowing to his mother. It just really moves me. It really does, especially when I remember what God said to Eve who was in that story the first to make a sinful choice, and how in Genesis 3.15, he said that he was going to bring the one that will crush the head of the adversary and that that one will also have his heel harmed. And so it's just such a testament, I think, to who God is, how Bathsheba is now in the genealogical line towards Jesus and how this is yet another story about how God is constantly lifting up women, even though the story is told in a period of time in a culture that did not normalize the lifting up or honoring of women on the regular. David's last words seem to be this executive instructions about who to execute and who to give clemency to. He's giving his son Solomon wisdom for what to look for and notes on justice. David is encouraging Solomon to keep God's statutes in ways. I find this interesting that like his first thing after, you know, the execution clemency instructions is to be obedient, because I kind of feel like that's the first thing he doesn't do. But Father Mike Schmitz also points to the example David set in what seems to be a distant relationship that was divided among different wives and many children and many other priorities, obviously. Father Mike Schmitz remind us of the importance of what we do and not just what we say, how our behavior is vicariously learned so often by our children and those that follow us. So what we do matters, not just what we say. So Solomon is to be king, king of peace and rest. God gave him wisdom, which is what he asked for. And then Solomon seems to immediately use that wisdom to take profit in the exact way Deuteronomy 17 says, don't do it, by amassing horses and wealth, and later we'll learn about wives. Father Mike Schmitz points to the fact that wisdom is different from obedience, and our gifts, if not given over to God, can be used to take and do what we want, even when we know it's not aligned with what God has asked from us as his representative leaders committed to his law, his will, and his ways. This disobedience will be the undoing of his wisdom. Solomon's heart in the end will be turned. There will be moments Solomon will use his gift of wisdom for God's goodness, but he will also use them for himself. And in the end, that will turn his heart and his head." Ugh, oh, kind of like the book of Judges, where the prophets go from pretty good to okay to not great to terrible, this is going to be the pattern of kings. So, here we go. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 9-11 that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.